0: Shalom and thank you for clicking to listen to one of our audio messages. At Tikvat David, we are building a Yeshua-centered Judaism for Israel and the nations. We hope that this message will encourage, inform, and inspire you to follow Yeshua and to walk in the pathways of Torah. Enjoy. Well, last week we covered Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 8, where Paul listed his impeccable Jewish credentials. And then we discussed the jolting statement in verses 7 and 8, where Paul says, But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So in our discussion last week, we noted that Paul is using rhetorical language to emphasize the surpassing greatness of Yeshua. Very importantly, we noted that Paul's words here should not be understood in a hyper-literal fashion. Paul's point is not that everything in the world, uh, including his Jewish identity, accounts to or amounts to nothing or rubbish to him. His point is that even things of great value, such as Torah and his Jewish identity and his impressive credentials uh, and everything else that might be of value to him, because he says, uh, I've I've suffered the loss of all things, uh, these things that he has in mind pale in comparison to knowing Messiah Yeshua. And remember, Paul is writing a letter and his statements here are being communicated with a desired outcome for his Philippian audience. If they leave Yeshua, if they leave this apostolic Judaism subgroup that they're a part of and they return to full engagement with the broader pagan culture in Philippi, they will will likely return to better lives than they're currently enjoying. But Paul is writing this letter to tell them that just like him and just like Yeshua, they should be willing to continue to suffer the losses they're currently experiencing because the gain with the God of Israel is worth it. Now, It is hard to tell someone to continue to suffer when you know that another path can purchase them relief, but that's what Paul's doing, and he's doing so with tremendous sympathy because he knows what it's like to suffer for Yeshua, but he's confident that his why will continue uh, and will convince them to stay the course. So in verses 9 through 11, he continues to build his why. Why should they maintain allegiance to Yeshua as Philippians, so let's read those verses, then we'll discuss them. So, verse uh, verse uh, nine is really a continuation uh, of of the thought that he started in verse eight. So he says, "In order that I may gain Christ." That's the end of verse eight, beginning verse nine, and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. May share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So let's start with verse nine. In in this verse, Paul uses the word righteousness twice. There's a, a righteousness that he doesn't have, and there's a righteousness that he does have. So first he says, "Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, from the nomos or the Torah." So curious what you think Paul's saying here. What does he mean? And what's his point when he says that he doesn't have a righteousness of his own that comes from the law? You know, often this statement is interpreted uh, based on a major flaw in how Second Temple Period Judaism is understood. For example, commenting on this statement uh, where Paul says, You know, in verse 9, that he doesn't, uh, he he not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Uh, The ESV study Bible says that this refers to a righteousness based on obedience to the law. Uh, Now, that's a very common reading of what Paul is saying that he doesn't have, the kind of righteousness he doesn't have. Uh, In other words, many think that Paul is speaking against a widespread perspective within Judaism that you have to earn your salvation uh, before God by observing the Torah and that Paul is contrasting that idea with the righteousness that he has, uh, which comes through faith in Christ in the second part of verse nine. So that that contrast that I just presented, that's referred to as the old perspective on Paul. Um, and and the old perspective is still held by, by many Christians, especially those with a more reformed or Calvinistic perspective. Um, but the fact is, is that, this idea and this sort of uh, this this perspective has never been a viewpoint that Judaism advanced uh, in a significant way. So it's very questionable as to whether Paul is actually um, speaking against the idea that that you had to earn your salvation or merit your standing before God by observing Torah Uh, Judaism didn't think that or the evidence is that the I think the best evidence is that Judaism didn't think that during Paul's day uh, and they don't think that now that you earn your standing with God by Torah observance rather Judaism has always embraced the fact that entrance into the covenant with God is based on his mercy, not our merit. That is, um, I, I referenced the old perspective on Paul. What I just said is the new perspective on Paul. And that was uh, that that the new perspective was popularized uh, basically a, a, a generation ago in the 60s and 70s by the work of E.P. Sanders and his uh, his watershed book, Paul and Palestinian Judaism, where he basically said, you know, this—the way we've understood Paul and what he was responding to in the Judaism of his day—it's—it's it's problematic because Jews didn't really believe that you—you you earned your salvation through Torah observance. They believe that uh, back then, and again, this is continued through Judaism, that entrance into the covenant is based on grace and mercy, uh, and that you stay in the covenant. Uh, by obedience and faithfulness to god so so in other words um you know that that's that's it's it's improbable that paul is speaking against an idea that probably didn't exist so then the question is what does paul mean here when he says not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law well i think paul's point is that uh if if even he uh, as a top shelf credential Jew if he needs uh, Christ for his righteous standing before God then certainly the Philippians uh, need Christ for their righteous standing before God put differently and more specifically Paul is saying here in verse 9 that even as a Torah faithful rock star Jew with all these you know credentials that he mentioned in verses 4 through 8 he still needs the divine mercy of God the gift of God in Yeshua uh, and and they do also. As this point. Again, Paul's making these statements. Again, he's he's not writing complex theology. He's writing a practical letter, not for himself, but for his audience. And he has one goal here, and that is for them to see how much they need Yeshua, no matter the cost. And he's saying, Look, all these credentials I have, you know, I still need uh, you know, a righteousness of my own is not sufficient. I need this mercy, this grace this righteousness that God has poured out uh, in through Yeshua's faithfulness. So in this vein, in the second part of verse 9, Paul says, uh, so he told us the righteousness that he doesn't have. Now he's going to tell us the righteousness that he does have. So he says, but that which comes through faith in Christ. So let's read the whole thing. So not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the Uh, from the law, but that which comes through faith in Messiah, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, there's a good bit of controversy about Paul's meaning here in this statement. The debate centers around the Greek word pistis, which here is translated uh, in the ESV, which I'm reading from as faith uh, in reference to faith in Christ. So the word pistis can also be translated as faithfulness. And so the point is that the way the Greek is presented here in Philippians three nine, Paul's statement can be rendered as uh, that which comes through the faithfulness of Christ, or it can be as the ESV has it, that which comes through faith in Christ. Uh, now that may sound like you know just uh, splitting hairs, but actually you think about it, it makes a pretty big deal. Is is the emphasis here on the act of faithfulness done by Yeshua, or is it is the is the righteousness here? um, uh, here, you know, come through our faith in Yeshua. So um, I would imagine that uh, some of you listening have uh, David Stern's complete Jewish Bible translation. and if so, you'll see that, Philippians 3.9 renders this as that righteousness which comes through the Messiah's faithfulness. So Stern understands the way the Greek is constructed here, that the focus is on what Yeshua has done as opposed to our faith in him here. Now, of course, now the question becomes, does this matter? Does it make a big difference if we render this one way uh, or the other? And if so, what? Would, what is? how does this change the meaning? Well, First of all, I think that Stern gets it right in the complete Jewish Bible, Uh, though either rendering can be justified. I think the emphasis here is on Messiah's faithfulness, and that's the ground of our righteous standing as opposed to faith in Christ. Now this is not in any way to minimize the importance of faith on our part. We need to have emunah, we need to have faith, we need to have allegiance uh, to God and his Messiah. But I think Paul is emphasizing that here that his right standing from God is based on the faithfulness of Yeshua, the faithfulness of Yeshua, as opposed to our faith in our faith in Yeshua. Uh, New Testament scholar Matthew Bates provides some helpful helpful perspective uh, here on Philippians three nine in his two thousand nineteen book uh, titled "Gospel Allegiance." Uh, he says there quote Paul gives two phrases in a row. He's talking about the the, uh, the end of uh, the second part of verse 9 here. He says, Paul gives two phrases in a row and the second is designed to explain the first. Since divine action, speaking of righteousness from God, is stressed in the second phrase, divine action is likely also in view in the first. Divine action on our behalf, or on our behalf is emphasized in both phrases. So it's probable that Paul here speaks of the allegiant activity of the king in securing our righteousness, not of our faith in Jesus. End of quote from Matthew Bates. Now Bates goes on to emphasize that this doesn't mean that we don't need to express uh, allegiance to Yeshua. We certainly do. Bates' point, which I agree with, is that the gospel speaks of Yeshua's death for our sins. And so and, and a response of allegiance to Yeshua includes trust in the effectiveness of his sacrifice. So I think that's really helpful stuff from Matthew Bates. Again, Paul is pounding the fact that Yeshua's faithfulness is worth suffering for as it provides a righteous standing before God. And Paul is going to continue this flow of thought in verses 10 and 11 which will be our final verses to look at today. In verse 10 and 11, Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is an interesting move here by Paul. So now here in verses 10 and 11, he brings resurrection into the equation to bolster his point, And he hasn't directly discussed resurrection uh, thus far in the letter. So uh, note in verse 10 that Paul uh, brings up Yeshua's resurrection. He speaks of his resurrection. And the, and then he also brings up the future resurrection at the end of verse 11. So you wonder why. Why does Paul bring up resurrection here? Well, in verse 10, we see that Paul links uh, knowing him, knowing Yeshua, with the power of his, speaking of Yeshua's, resurrection. So I think what Paul is doing here is that he's speaking In the first person but he's expecting that the Philippians will appropriate the point that he's making for them the Philippians have come to know Yeshua and the power of his resurrection and that association with Yeshua and the righteousness found the righteous standing found in him it's the means that will lead them to verse 11 which speaks of attaining the resurrection of the dead now The ESV translation at the beginning of verse 11 is a bit confusing. It says, um, you know, by any means that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. But I don't think that's an expression of doubt. Uh, It's likely an expression of just simply humility. So I think Paul's idea here that he's transmitting and really emphasizing to the Philippians is that by knowing Yeshua, They have entered into the power of Yeshua's resurrection, and they will thus attain the resurrection of the dead because of their association with him. And that's a great reason to continue to suffer and not go back to their native local gods. Paul is hoping that they will calculate the cost here, and that if they do go back to the gods, they will be losing their hope in the resurrection of the dead, which is something that probably they want to be a part of, to say the least. And so this is our hope as well. Yeshua's faithfulness, which is the righteousness from God, it's the ultimate gift from God to us. And Yeshua's resurrection gives us a taste of the resurrection to come, which of course has been a central hope in Judaism since the Bible came to be. Hope in the resurrection of the dead is a great reason to maintain allegiance to Yeshua. Being that we see that his resurrection uh, is the means uh, to experiencing the future end times resurrection. So I'll close by reciting the words that we say after Shacharit uh, uh, in, in morning prayers from the 13 principles of the Jewish faith, with, which uh, are beautiful words which affirm our hope in the future resurrection. I believe with complete faith that there will be a resurrection of the dead whenever the wish emanates from the creator. Blessed is his name, and exalted as is his mention forever and for all eternity. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to this audio message from Tikvat David Messianic Synagogue. We would love to get to meet you in person sometime at the synagogue, so come join us for Shabbat or one of the holidays. Also, you can join us in building Messianic Judaism, whether you live in the Atlanta area or far away, by financially contributing to our synagogue. You can learn about the options for giving under the Donate tab at tikvaddavid.org. At Tikvad we would love to have you stand with us as we are building a Yeshua-centered Judaism for Israel and the nations. Shalom.